So this morning, I want to uh, point you to Acts chapter 2, just before we get into our passage, because we're in the book of, what is it? Oh, Luke. (laughs) We're in the book of Luke. I love that sign. Um, We're in the book of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts, right? And so Luke is about the life of Jesus, life and teachings of Jesus, and Acts is about the beginning of the church. It's our story, the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, by the way, Luke talks a lot about the kingdom of God. He talks about the kingdom of God. He teaches about the kingdom of God. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says every day, these early believers, these first believers, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So in their place of worship, they continued to meet together. Like, like we're here, they were in the temple courts. Okay, so they did that. And then it says, um, they ate together with, uh, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So then they met together in their homes. So they went from the place of worship out into their homes. And then it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So this was the, this was the early kingdom that Jesus came to announce. He came to announce and said, the kingdom of heaven, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we see it starting here early on in the book of Acts where the people got together and the kingdom was advancing, albeit little by little in the early part of Acts, but they got together in the temple courts and from house to house and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Now as you go through the book of Acts, they're not always enjoying the favor of all the people. In fact, a lot of times they're not. So the kingdom of God continues to advance in different ways and in different stages, and Luke is talking about the kingdom of God. So every kingdom needs a king, and in this case, Jesus is not uh, called only the king, but he's also called the Messiah. And I thought about this help wanted, Ed. Help wanted, Messiah needed for ordinary people, must be selfless and willing to die for cause. Healing powers a must. Miracle worker preferred. Teaching ability preferred but not essential. Must be good people person. Housing and health care benefits not provided. Apply at JerusalemHelpWanted.com. Okay, so Jesus uh, didn't really apply. Jesus volunteered and Jesus fit the requirements of the Messiah. And in Jesus, in Jesus and Luke, man, Luke talks about this and throughout Luke talks about how in Jesus, the fulfillment of the plan of God is taking place. The fulfillment of the plan of God. And when we, when we are in Christ, the fulfillment for our life, God's fulfilling our life for who we're meant to be, begins to take place when we find ourselves in Christ. So now Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. First, at the beginning of Luke... Uh, Jason talked to us about the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. And then last week we saw Jesus in Nazareth. So in the temptations, Jesus had to say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then in Nazareth, he reads from Isaiah that, that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And then he tells him today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they drove him out to the brow of the hill and they wanted to throw him off the cliff for what he said. Now, 
he goes uh, down to Capernaum, which is about a 2,000-foot elevation drop, okay, from Nazareth down to Capernaum. It's a town in Galilee. And again, on the Sabbath day, he taught the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. And Nazareth, Nazareth, they were called words of grace, gracious words. But now these are words of authority. And the people were amazed at what he taught. So in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice. So several months ago, when they had all that furor in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, when they had all those protesters there, and they were carrying torches and all that, and uh, then on Saturday they had that, uh, they had that accident where this person drove through the crowd and, and killed this young lady. And the, the city was just uh, about ready to just ignite with, with tension. Then Sunday morning, my daughter and son-in-law live in Charlottesville. They were in church, and toward the end of the service, some guys in the middle stood up, and they started speaking to the crowd. And the pastor was kind of finishing off his message. It was very unsettling. It was scary for the people because the whole town, again, the atmosphere around the country, the eyes of the country were on. If you were watching TV or any of the news that was on Charlottesville, and in that city, Everyone was on pins and needles. And when those guys stood up and started speaking, it, it was scary to them. It startled them. And uh, here at the, at the synagogue, it says that he cried out at the top of his voice. And the only way I could do that would be to turn my mic off. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. So this this demon, the very first thing he says to Jesus is, go away. You're not wanted here. And you know, those of us who've seen movies, right, we're in the, you know, we're in 2018 and since the 1970s until now, if you're around my age, you know, we we can hear the voice, right? The, the, The Hollywood demon voice. I'm sure it was all of that and more for those people with this guy who was possessed by this demon who's telling Jesus, go away. Go away. We don't want you here. You've probably come to destroy us. Jesus speaks to him, and he says sternly, come out of him. Be quiet. And the demon threw the man down before them and came out without injuring him. Some people wonder why Jesus wanted the demons to not talk about him being the Messiah. And maybe it was because they were, they were kind of uh, somewhat of an inglorious figure to be giving praise to Jesus. Maybe it was that this wasn't time yet. It wasn't time for Jesus to reveal who he was. It reminds me of on the road to Damascus or on, on the road to Emmaus when he was walking with the disciples and he didn't reveal And so when they sat down to break bread, and Jesus, he would reveal that he was the Messiah, who he was and why he was coming in his way at his time. And he rebuked the demons, but they knew who he was. Interesting that the week before, when we talked about when he was in Nazareth, they did not want to have anything to do with him being the Messiah. They drove him out of the town. But here, the demons know. The demons know. Why? 
because he is their arch enemy. He is their arch enemy. Um, I wonder if in that synagogue in Capernaum, this demon was there every week, keeping things the way he wanted them, keeping this group of worshipers benign, just listening to the words of the law, but not having them in their heart. I wonder if then when Jesus showed up in the synagogue and he started speaking as one who had authority, that this demon was like, go away. This is my turf. This is my area. You have no reason to be here. So Jesus tells him to be quiet and to come out of the guy. And he leaves the guy, but the guy is unhurt. But he's thrown down. Verse 36, all the people were amazed. Again, the word amazed. They were amazed and said to each other, what words these are with authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. And this was without social media or radio stations, right? The news spread. They had a way of talking to their neighbors, and they probably had some, you know, rudimentary uh, Pony Express type of a situation where they would get news from one town to the other. And the news about Jesus spread throughout the surrounding area. And from this, this small passage, we see that Jesus has power over Satan and over evil and over all of Satan's evil ones. He has power over spiritual darkness in every place. And this was something that was new to these people. See, in the Western world, we don't think about spirit, uh, we don't think about um, uh, the spirit world that much because, you know, everything's fine here. We're all just fine. If we're sick, we go to the doctor. If we're hungry, we go to the store. If we need encouragement, we get on Facebook. Oh, wait. That's not very encouraging sometimes, right? But everything's fine here. We're, we're fine. We're fine. But in the Eastern world, there's a lot more being tuned in to the spirit world and spiritual issues and, and spiritual darkness. And these people lived it. They lived it. And you think about, you think about Israel in Jesus' day. You think about Israel, you think about Judah and Galilee the first 25 years of Jesus' life, I, I would imagine that the spiritual forces of darkness were doing workouts every day, trying to keep these people from accepting the coming Messiah, the Messiah who was already on the ground but hadn't started his public ministry yet. These people were plagued with disease, with sickness, with demonic possession, with evil attacking them, with, with a corrupt religious system that had basically gotten in bed with the Romans and was not giving them any spiritual sustenance or any spiritual life at all. And Jesus shows up at the synagogue, and this evil spirit says, go away. This is my turf. And Jesus says, be quiet. Come out of him. And the people are like amazed. Maybe the people knew. Maybe they had to deal with this guy. And maybe when Jesus pulls the evil spirit out of them, he's like a different guy. And they're like, wow, we've been trying to do this for, for weeks, months, years. We don't know because Luke doesn't tell us all that. He just tells us that Jesus 
has power. And Jesus' power liberates humanity. Jesus' power liberates. Jesus' power didn't come to exercise control. Jesus' power comes to bring release. Release to the captives. And we're seeing in this passage, by the way, the fulfillment of what Jesus read from from Isaiah just a few verses before in Nazareth. It's already starting to become true that people are being liberated. And we're going to see now from disease. So verse 38 Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon, now this is Peter, okay, this is Peter, uh, Simon Peter. His mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. They asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. This is not like a normal day. This is, by the way, all the same day. This is that Sabbath day. So they go to Peter's house and his mother-in-law is sick, and apparently she was the one who would fix the food and who would prepare the meal, and she was sick. And when Jesus healed her, she gets up and she waits on them. She does what a lot of our moms and grandmas would do, right? If we come over to the house, what do they do? They want to love us, and what do they do? They want to feed us, and she wants to feed. She wants to serve. She wants to express love to them, and she does it because Jesus frees her to do it, and she's glad to do it. And then at sunset, it says in verse 40, at sunset, that means that at sunset, the Sabbath day is over. It's not Sabbath anymore. So people can bring people to Jesus who had various kinds of sickness. And he was laying his hands on each one of them, and he healed them. So Jesus is the personal, he's the local personal Savior who comes and he's touching the people and he's healing each one of them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak. You know that when some people heard that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, they rejected it and they rejected him. And you got to know that these demons, these evil spiritual powers, were just trying to thwart what Jesus was doing. So they felt like if they could call him the Son of God, that, that they would identify Jesus with evil spirits. Oh, these evil spirits know who this, this guy must be evil. And that's why, that's why, I believe that's why he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. The people in Nazareth, they, they didn't know. They didn't know. The religious leaders didn't know. Isn't it crazy? The religious leaders didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah, but the demons did. The demons did. People in Nazareth didn't, but the demons did. In this passage, we see the scope of the Messiah's work going from the synagogue to Peter's home now to the whole community is bringing people to Jesus. And the scope of his work is getting broader and broader. So Jesus has power and authority. Now Luke is teaching us over every physical disease, every physical ailment, Jesus has power and authority over. Not just the demonic world, but also the physical world. He can release people and free people, like it says in Isaiah, from any kind of oppression whether it's sickness or spiritual. So verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, a quiet, a quiet place. Now, he was pretty busy the day before, right? He was pretty busy at the synagogue and at 
Peter's house and with all these people. So he goes out to a quiet place, and the people were looking for him. Imagine the most effective doctor in Newton. The doctor that if you went to this doctor, and I don't know if this doctor's a man or a woman. It could be either. I'm not going to say. I don't know. But you go to this doctor, and when you leave this doctor's office, you're, you're better. Everybody who leaves the doctor's office is better. And then you find out that the doctor's leaving. He's, he's leaving his practice, and somebody else will be there, but they're not going to be as good. And, and it, we don't know if he or she is going to come back. You want to see this doctor. In fact, you want to offer this doctor a raise, a higher salary. Please stay. We want you to stay. So at daybreak, Jesus went to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. They didn't understand his mission. They didn't understand that Jesus was, didn't come to just set up shop and then just serve one group of people. Just like Jonah didn't understand, right? Jonah didn't understand his mission and God's mission in Nineveh. Israel didn't understand, right? They didn't understand that they were God's people in that area and that God was going to reach through them into the people, lives of that region, even outside of Israel. They didn't understand their place. The church, the church often doesn't understand. We think that we're the end of the line. We receive the forgiveness and grace of God. Oh, Jesus, my Savior, amen, praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven, and that it stops with us. But it doesn't. It didn't stop with Jesus in, in Capernaum. It doesn't stop with us wherever we are. So let's, let's go on here. Um, and it's interesting, too, that the authority and power that the devil tempted with him with in the wilderness, he already has. He already has authority and power. And he's showing it. And then Luke, within the same chapter, before we're to the end of the chapter, Luke is laying it out. He didn't need this authority and power from Satan. He already has the authority and the power. And he says to them in verse 43, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. I think I've looked at a couple different weeks worth of passages, so I'm a, I'm, I'm, I think this is right. This is the first time the word kingdom, the phrase kingdom of God is used in the book of Luke. It's the first time. The word kingdom uh, has been used, but the kingdom of God, and he uses this term. It's so, it's so interesting to me. Show that phrase up on the screen. It's the, the good news of the kingdom of God. So the good news, isn't the good news like salvation? That's what we think the good news is. If you share the good news with somebody, but Jesus hadn't even gone to the cross yet. He hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't been buried. He hadn't, didn't rise from the dead yet. But he is preaching. What kind of a message was it that he was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God? You remember he also said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. I'm offering it to you. Now he's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. It's really interesting. What is, what is the good news of of the kingdom of God. As we go through the book of Luke, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be revealed to us over and over, this way and that way, with these words and that words, with this action and that action. Luke is going to show us 
what the kingdom of God is. That is why I was sent. Jesus himself was sent. The Father sent the Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So he's going to the synagogues. He's going to the Jews first. And of course we know that they're going to reject him. So let's, let's ask our favorite questions. At least they're my favorite questions. What's it say? What's the passage saying? Jesus was an amazing teacher who spoke with authority. He was able both to heal and to help people understand what he was teaching. With authority, he released a demon-possessed man. News about him spread all over. He healed Peter's mom-in-law, then many others. He moved along to preach to the other towns also. What's it mean? Luke is presenting Jesus as the one who has authority over evil, Satan, and the forces of darkness in our world. He's revealing Jesus' power over physical illness and diseases and his desire to bring wholeness and healing to others. Luke describes how Jesus fulfills the Isaiah prophecy mentioned earlier of release for the oppressed and those held captive by evil or illness. What else does it mean? Luke continues to unravel the message that Jesus is the one. I feel like we just say this every week, but we do. He keeps, he's unraveling this message. Jesus is the answer to the problems of Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of God to Israel. The rest of Luke will lay out descriptions of what this good news of the kingdom of God is all about. And he's the Messiah coming in a way that that they weren't expecting, with kingdom values unlike any they had known. And this is part of the good news. The good news of the kingdom of God is that it's not like the kingdom of the world. That's the good news. It's not like the kingdoms we're used to. It's not like the the empire of Rome. Now, how does it affect me? How does it affect me? His words had authority with these people. And I thought to myself, do do Jesus' words have authority with me? Do Jesus' words have authority with you? Or are they optional? I mean, we're good. We don't have to come to church. I mean, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I mean, it's good to read your Bible. I mean, even pastors said you don't have to read your Bible a few weeks ago in a weak moment. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're good. My mom said to the doctor recently, well, just because you tell me that I'm going to have to have help in my house doesn't mean I have to have it. It's because you tell me. It's my house. I mean, it's optional, right? Do Jesus' words have authority? Is he Lord? Is he King? Or is he just a figment of our imagination that makes us feel good? We have to decide that. We have to decide, are we in or are we out? Are we in the kingdom or are we out of the kingdom? Because if we're in the kingdom, Jesus is king. So that's how it affects us. And that is gonna, it's going to affect us like that all the way through the book of Luke. And if we go to Acts, it'll be good, all the way through the book of Acts. In fact, you know what? All the way through the Bible, it's going to affect us like this because the whole Bible is a story of Jesus redeeming the world. 
So another question I ask myself is, the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. Am I still amazed? Because I've heard his teaching most of my life since I was like eight or nine years old. Some of you, since you were born, you've been brought into church and you've heard. Does his words still amaze us? Do the words about Jesus, the stories about what he did, the depth of his love and care for people, does that still amaze us? Or are we just like, oh, Luke, oh, what chapter are we in? And I understand it's hard to sit there. It's easy to be up here. It's easy to, to study it all week and to really dig into it and to just be like enthralled with it. It's harder to come. But daily, right? We look at His Word and we ask ourselves, are we still amazed by God? Are we still amazed by the One who's amazing? I have to ask myself the same thing. I ask, does this kingdom of God kind of good news, does it still exist and does it apply to me? I mean, if he was teaching them about the kingdom of God, and then uh, uh, Pastor John and I always talk about this, at the end of the book of Acts, Paul is under house arrest and people are constantly coming and he's teaching them, he's constantly teaching a bunch of people about the kingdom of God. So all through Luke's teaching, from, from Luke all the way to the end of Acts, he's taught the kingdom of God is a reality. It's not just something at one time or the other. It's not something offered and pulled back. It's a reality that is. So does this kingdom of God kind of good news, does it still exist and does it, does it apply to me? And then Jesus said he was sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That is why I was sent. And he also said, as the Father sends me, so I am sending you. Does that mean us? Are we sent? Are we sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God? And if we are, what is it? As we go through this book, we're going to see a lot of what it is. The bottom line, I have a couple bottom lines. So it's really not the bottom line. It's almost the bottom line. Jesus is not just a moral teacher He's not just a motivational speaker or a pop psychologist or even a licensed therapist, even though he applied for a Messiah and he got the position. He is the Son of God with power and authority to deal with the evil one and defeat the forces that dominate humanity. He's the Son of God with the power and authority to restore people like you and me back to God. Jesus has the power and the authority to do that. He can restore us back to God, people that have been broken away from God. He's the king of our kingdom. He rules and he reigns. And in his kingdom, here's two things we're going to find. In his kingdom, there's life and there's freedom. In the kingdom of God, there's life and there's freedom. That's different than the kingdoms of this world. In the kingdoms of this world, you have to leverage muscle. You have to gain control. You have to exercise authority. You have to wield power. You have to retain uh, 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 property and position. In the kingdom of God, it's not like that. There's freedom and there's life. The culture of the kingdom of God, it thwarts and it subverts the cultures of this world. The culture of the king who comes and says, I'm going to win by losing. I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice for many. He's the one who wins. 
And even though they, they, they put him in the ground and the, the uh, um, secular government puts the stone in front and they put the seal and he's done, he's buried, he's gone, somehow, somehow, even though they kill him and they bury him and they put the headstone on, somehow he still wins. But we still feel like today, don't we? We still feel like we've got we've to exercise some muscle in order to get anywhere in this world. And Jesus says, no, no, we serve, we love, we give, we free, we release people. So in God's kingdom, the poor, the stranger, the imprisoned and sick, the naked and the thirsty, in God's kingdom, the orphan and the widow, the foreigner and the outcast and the weak and the other, they're loved and they're valued and they're cared for. So several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I brought, I brought this picture up and I showed you this painting. It was a pretty simple painting, but this young lady who sent me this letter, and I read you some of the letter, and it said like these nice things that I had done for, for their family. So recently I was talking with somebody and they said some nice things about Pastor Corey. And it re- I thought about him when I, when I looked at what I, what I had written on the, on the bottom of the slide. I said, um, as I was talking to this person, I said, you know, when Pastor Corey left, it was really hard on you, wasn't it? They said, yeah, that was really hard. I said, what was, what was the thing? What was the thing that Pastor Corey did that was like, so like, impacted you so much? This person said, Pastor Corey reached out to me and he connected with me and he made me know that I mattered. And this person, um, tears started to come to their eyes. Pastor Corey reached out to me and he made me know that I mattered. And I, I walked out to the, uh, down the office hallway afterwards and I, I mentioned this to Kathy in the office. I said, you know what? Is there any better words that could be said of somebody than that they reached out to me and they let me know that I mattered? Don't we all want to do that? I mean, don't we? Isn't that what people want? They want to be listened to. They want to be cared for. They want to matter to somebody. In God's kingdom, everybody matters. I scrolled through Google Images last night looking at pictures of blind beggars. Because right? I'm trying to, how can, how can we understand this? It, it, I couldn't do it justice. I mean, I looked, at, I, I looked at probably scores of pictures of beggars. And these are the people, this, because I was looking at blind Bartimaeus, and I didn't, I, we're not looking at that passage, but I thought about going to that passage where the guys, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says that the people around Jesus were like, be quiet, be quiet. Now I'm talking about it, right? But be quiet. And Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let, him, let him call out. What, what does he need? Because Je- to Jesus, blind Bartimaeus mattered. Just this blind beggar. Who's, he's nobody. He's nothing. Throw him a few scraps. Keep him alive. He's fine. No, to Jesus he mattered. And Jesus said, hey, your faith 
has made you whole. It's restored your sight. He got up and he followed Jesus. Because in the kingdom of God, people matter. So let me just uh, let me go down the list here and tell you about the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, the good news about the kingdom of God is that there is enough. There is enough in the kingdom of God. There is enough food. There is enough clothing. In the kingdom, there's enough shelter. There's enough forgiveness. There's enough healing. In the kingdom of God, there's enough. When the, kid, when the king's kids accept and embrace the values of the king, there's enough. There's enough healing. There's enough grace. There's enough mercy. In the kingdom of God, there's enough joy. There's enough peace. There's enough power. And on, on this, in the world's kingdom, there's not enough power. In this world, there's not. And there's not enough. There's never enough. Because we've all, we've got to hold it for ourselves. There's not enough. I don't have enough to share with you because I always need a little bit more in the world's kingdom. But in the kingdom of God, there's enough kindness. There's enough money. There's enough money in God's kingdom. When people share and when people give, there's enough to go around. I probably don't need to keep going on this one about enough money. So connect our culture and the kingdom we live in and then connect it with the, the culture of the king, the kingdom of God, and bring them together, and you'll see some disparity. In our culture, the money I have is my money. I decide what to do with it. In God's kingdom, we're given resources to share and care about others. But that's God's kingdom, right? The cultures of this world, they're never going to operate like God's kingdom, But us, we get to be the church. We get to be down here and we get to live out kingdom values with other people. And as we live with and around others and we love people, the kingdom of God kind of invades their turf and they get a taste and a sense of what the kingdom life is really all about because there's enough money, there's enough friendship, there's enough holiness, there's enough love. Aren't people looking for love? Don't they want to know that they matter, that somebody knows their name, that somebody's going to love them, that somebody's going to reach out and hold their hand when they need it, that somebody's going to come along and pray with them, visit them, give them water when they're thirsty, put clothes on them when they're naked, tend to them when they're sick, visit them when they're in the hospital? Don't, isn't that what people want? And in the kingdom of God, there's enough of that. Because when we get the stuff from the king, and he pours it into our cup, and it flows through us out into other people, the more we give away, the more the king pours in the top. And the more we give out, and the more we help, and the more we serve, and the more we give, the more the king gives us. Because in the kingdom, there's always enough because the king is the creator. And he creates more and he gives more. And we never run out in the kingdom of God. We never run out. That's a little bit about what the kingdom of God is like. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. So let me ask you a question. Put that list back up on the screen for me. There's, there's two There's two columns of stuff there. Look at those things. What can you give to somebody this week? Who can you share joy or peace with? Who can you give love or kindness to? Who can you forgive? Who can you maybe help with food, clothing, or shelter? Who who can you maybe share some money with? See, we're, we're the king's kids. And we get to minister in his name and with his power 
You give something this week, and God will fill it back up for you. Give something. Now, the easy thing, (laughs) this is a lot easier than giving money. Just give a little kindness. Give a little kindness and see if God gives you some more kindness to give give out. So you take your 100% of kindness and get it down to 50%, and then by the end of the week, God's going to fill it back up again. And the faster you give it, the faster he's going to fill it up. And it's not the prosperity gospel. That's the gospel of the kingdom when we give to others. So as we finish this morning, there's a group of people. They're called the altar prayer team. They love to give encouragement through prayer. They want to pray for you. You don't have to be like on your last penny or on your last leg. You don't have to be desperate beyond measure to be prayed for. If there's something going on in your life, you just would like somebody who really cares and who really loves God and who really wants to minister to you to pray with you, then you just come up after the service. They're going to be up here on either side. There's going to be people up here, couples who want to pray with you. And I just want to encourage you to come up. You don't have to be in crisis. It's just nice. It's just nice to have somebody pray with you and pray for you. So let me lead us in prayer, and let me encourage you. um, Share something this week and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God where you are. You're not too old and you're not too young. You can do it. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we, as we read Luke, we're reminded over and over and over that the king has come, and then Jesus says to us at the end of the book that he's coming again. He's coming soon. So Lord, until you do come back, I pray that we would be people who are doing your work, who are being you, Jesus, being the body of Christ here on this planet where you put us. And I pray that this week you would allow us to proclaim the good news of the kingdom by showing that there is enough, that we can share and we can give, we can minister and we can serve. We can love our neighbor as ourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.